We looked at it, we agreed, don't know why it was set up that way. So we're raising it up to 50%. And I, you know, and my response was, you know, you're setting a bad precedent here. You realize that. And the vice president of the, you know, the, the captive is like, how is this a bad precedent? And I said, because I kicked and screamed and you gave me my way. Welcome to The Defense Never Rests with Morgan and Akins, your monthly dose of uncommon sense about all things legal and some that are not. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of The Defense Never Rests. I'm your host, Megan, and I'm joined with Melissa again. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm great. It's a sunny Friday. I am ready. It's summer almost. We're getting there. Yes. The weather has been flip-flopping between hot and cold, though, still, which is which is a little odd. Yeah, yeah. I'm we'll right. get there. We're in thunderstorm season that every day, you know, there's an isolated thunderstorm around mm-hmm. 6 o'clock. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Potential for a tornado. It's always, it makes keeps it interesting. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but so today we're joined by Steve Eckert. And Steve and I have worked together in the past and have known each other for a number of years. Um, and I asked him to come on just because he is a man who's not short on words. He is... I think hilarious and just a delight to listen to and to talk with. Um, And, you know, he just started a new role at at Flagger Force and is really passionate about it. So I I thought it'd be great just to have him come on and talk about his experience and and claims and just, you know, his path to where he is now in his new role. He sounds awesome. Let's just chat with him. He's great. Let's bring him in. Good morning, Steve. Welcome to the Defense Never Rest. I'm so happy to have you. Yeah, good morning. Thanks. Happy to be here. So, you know, for our listeners out there, I've, I've known you for, for years and I'm so happy that you finally, I finally got you on this podcast because you, and as I told Trisha, she was like, Steve is going to be such a great podcast guest. So you ha- you have a, a lot to live up to right now. We're expecting right. a lot out of you. I'm ready for semantics. <laughs> I'm getting that. <laughs> I hope you have a, I hope you have an hour standup routine prepared for this <laughs> based on what I've heard. I usually freelance. We'll see how it goes. Right. All right. But so, you know, I, you've worked in claims for how many years now? Uh, almost a little over 18, 18, 19, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you really have a, like an amazing experience from a lot of different perspectives too, because you've worked at a, a lot of different types of organizations. And now you're at Flagger Force, which we're going to talk about a little bit more later. Um, but I really want to dig in first to get, you know, talk to you about how you ended up in claims because everyone is, I ask this of every, honestly, every guest, because everyone has a different story as how they got to where they are. Um, so I'm curious, and I don't think you and I have really ever talked about this. So I'm curious to hear yeah, what I don't your think so. path was. When you were a little boy, were you dreaming of one day working in the insurance field? Because I feel like a lot of people don't. No, I, I would I would definitely say I, I don't or I didn't. I didn't have any aspirations. I was even surprised that I had, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I worked, uh, well, I started my career in personal lines uh, with a, with one of the, the companies that does the uh, commercials. Um, and uh, um yeah, it was just, you know, when I got out of college, uh, the first job I had was I was a youth counselor at a uh, residential uh, setting for, you know, different age groups. Uh, and just <clears throat> um, 
they just saw this opportunity uh, to go there uh, to, you know, to begin my career in insurance. And, it, you know, at the time, I mean, it paid twice as much as what I was currently making. So, you know, that was obviously that was the most attract, attractive thing uh, coming in the door. And um, yeah, just, I mean, for the first year, I was an inside, uh, the inside rep. Uh, just taking the calls, taking recorded statements. Uh, and then after a year, I was sent to uh, estimatic school, uh, learn how to write the estimates. And uh, funny enough, um, you know, I, I always joke with people about this. So, you know, I was told, uh, or I was taught that your hand is roughly a one hour dent on a vehicle. And you know, Megan, obviously, we've met in person. You know, I'm kind of a big dude. So I was at a body shop writing an estimate. And uh, the inside rep or one of the, uh, the our senior outside adjuster got an uh, got a phone call from the body shop that I was at. And he said, Hey, could you come out and write an estimate on this vehicle? Or excuse me, write a supplement on this vehicle. And um, he's like, Yeah, sure. Um, let me let me check the dispatch notes. He goes, I believe Steve's there right now. I think he can do it. He goes, no, you're going to have to come out and write in a uh, supplement on Steve's on the vehicle that Steve's writing the estimate on. And um, he said, I can tell he's new because he put his hand up on the dent. And that dude has a hand like a bear paw. So he just <laughs> covered a four hour dent, like just by going like this. So, <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, that was you know, that, that was my indoctrination into, into insurance, into claims. And, um, you know, just really, I'd say it was my first real job out of college and, um, just didn't understand how, you know, things worked. Um, and, you know, just chose to leave the organization and, um, you know, was with, with another company, completely different industry, different everything, uh, and then um, left there. And a friend had told me about, you know, he said, hey, my, yeah, I know you have an insurance background. Um, you know, one of my buddies does something in insurance. And he's like, you know, I, you know, I want to connect the two of you. And, you know, he did. Uh, I interviewed. And it was with um, one of the I'd say the, the largest TPAs in the world. Like I had no idea what a TPA was. I, you know, I only knew, you know, like from the, per, the personal auto, you know, from seeing their insurance or excuse me, their uh, commercials and um, started my career at a TPA mm-hmm. and uh, was there for roughly 14 years. I uh, had a voluminous uh, experiences, backgrounds, uh, you know, through promotions, got to work on um, different, different clients, different programs. And of course, you know, as I became more senior, uh, then I also got the higher exposure claims and excuse me, was, you know, like I said, was there for about 14 years and, uh, just had, uh, I guess the politically correct way to say it is some philosophical differences, uh, with, with the direction of, of the, of the industry, I'll say, I mean, I'm more, not so much the organization, but just, I think could, because at the end of the day, I think all the organizations are really uh, utilizing the same algorithms and parameters uh, on the, on the uh, TPA side. Uh, and then a friend had gone to a, I'll call them a regional 
TPA. Um, I mean, they're uh, they're not at national or technically they're international. Uh, so more they're regional. Big. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, same. It was fresh, fresh opportunity. Uh, the first year uh, was was very good, uh, and then the second year, the philosophies from the international TPA started creeping into into that organization. And um, it just, I was like, nope, this, you're turning into that X company. Uh, and I don't, uh, I left X company and I'm not going to be here for this. Uh, so, you know, really took some time out. And, you know, what it came down to, I had interviewed, looked at opportunities and safety, risk, underwriting, anything. And really, no matter what I had applied to, it was like, well, with your extensive background in claims, did you see we, you know, like we have this claims opportunity and I, you know, and time after time, it was like, yeah, I know. And it was posted right above the job that I just applied to. I have no interest in the claims positions. So really met with, you know, with a bunch of closed doors, but, but kept, kept, you know, kept on going. And um, prior to coming to Flagger Force, I was uh, the claims manager with a, um, a municipality organization with an insurance pool. And just really, you know, I, I liked that role. I mean, I, you know, I loved not having a, uh, an unrealistic pending <laughs> that, I, that I logged to it, logged into every day and was like, oh, okay, what, what fires do I need to put out today? Uh, so really that ability to, to navigate my job and be able to, you know, to feel like I had accomplished things, you know, like in my career with the TPA, you know, I said, really, um, no, I felt like my house was in the median on the interstate. And, you know, when you sit down at your desk and log in, you're pulling out of your driveway and you got to be doing at least 70 to 80 miles an hour to merge into traffic. And, you know, then if you're, if you're able to take a lunch, um, you know, you just kind of slow down a little bit because, you know, at lunch, you're thinking about things that you need to do. And then you also know that your phone is ringing and your emails are, are going off. Uh, and then whether you took a lunch or not or ate at your desk, you know, at some point in the day, you're like, well, I could work for the next 24 hours and still not be caught up. So slam on the brakes, pull into the meeting and you're done for the day. And and I, truly, I mean, that, you know, that's how I felt. And um you know, like I said, with this, the, the, the role prior to Flagger Force got me back into, um, into what I know, you know, and, and um, it had, I mean, there obviously there were some downsides there. I mean, because, you know, I'm currently the claims manager at Flagger Force, but my role was uh, claims manager and risk, um, risk and safety management. Uh, because I didn't have the designation, uh, the the uh, CSP, Certified Safety Professional, yeah, didn't have that designation. Uh, so it was just more of the title of, you know, what I was doing. And uh, been at Flagger Force for um, little, almost four months now. And uh, just, I, I mean, I absolutely love it. I mean, the, 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 the culture in you know the people themselves, uh, the the philosophies of the organization, um, and just you know everybody 
just has, you know, there were some folks in, the, in my former TPA positions where you just, you know, you heard them over the phone. I mean, they were arguing with claimants or attorneys or whatever the case is. And you, you might be, you know, like after work, yeah, you know, you go have a beer with them or something like that. But like during the workday, they were almost like, you just wanted to steer away from them. <laughs> and, you know, I have not, and I don't foresee having that experience here at Flagger Force. I mean, yeah. it's just that organizational philosophy. And, um, you know, and I think it goes, you know, for really for me, uh, one of the numerous cliches that I've uh, picked up on or created uh, over my years in the in the TPA world and insurance world was, you know, everybody's trying to, you know, thump in their chest that they're the largest or the largest organization. Like nobody thumps their chest that they're the best organization. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, with Flagger Force, we have, we are the largest temporary traffic control service. Um, but I, but we're the best. I mean, what, what goes on behind the scenes here for the, you know, the product that you see uh, out there, I mean, is just, I, I mean, it is amazing. The, the day-to-day -day job that goes into, you know, what, you know, what the, what you see out there in the field that, you know, that's representing us. Steve, for people who maybe aren't familiar with Flagger Force, just like, give us like a brief overview of the company. Um, we are, um, like I said, it's a temporary traffic control service. Uh, so typically, you know, we have uh, 80, at least 80% of our clients are utility companies. And we have uh, our largest footprint is in Pennsylvania. And we're strategically working um, down the East Coast. Um, so we've, you know, really have a somewhat of a presence um, down to Florida now. And then over, uh, we may have a, you know, one contract here or there. Um, but, you know, we're, you know, our folks are the, the people out there turning the paddle you know, the stop and slow paddle, have the uh, lane closures or lane mergers uh, set up, uh, even road closures. Uh, you know, we're still, you know, we don't just put up a sign and walk away. I mean, we're actively uh, working those areas, you know, to ensure the safety of the public as well as our clients. What I think some people might not appreciate is the, the, the risk associated with that, that, that job is high. I mean, it, like if you're on highways and um people traveling at high like high rates of speed it's it i'm sure you you see a lot of catastrophic um situations just because out of out of the nature of the the job yeah fortunately we have not had a fatality uh you know yeah we get Do notifications it, you know we get notifications um you know, of, hey, was this one of your people, you know, we, we see in the news, you know, an, an unfortunate news clipping, that, you know, that someone was struck and lost their life. And, uh, you know, fortunately, we can say it, it, it wasn't our employee. Um, but, you know, being the claims manager, I mean, I do see uh, everything from um, the right now, I mean, this past week, you know, the folks that were just ran out of water out on a job site or something, just, you know, the issues with the heat, um, you know, but then also down to the miscellaneous stuff of, uh, hey, I just wanted to call in and say this, 
and you know whatever that is and you know when i started my career i worked for a uh, with the tpa i worked for a national refuse company and you know people will call in and say hey you know like i don't know what your truck number was but i have a um, I'll just say purple because I don't know any refuse companies that have purple <laughs> that have purple trucks driving around. But you know, I have a purple tra paint transfer on on my vehicle, so I know it was you guys. Okay, well, your claim's denied because it's not we don't have any purple vehicles in our fleet. Well, then their follow up question is, well, then who was it? We're like, well, it wasn't us, and <laughs> you know, like, sorry, sorry, we can't help you pursue your claim. Um, similarly, you know, we get. Um, we get uh, our public complaint or concern uh, information. And, you know, at times it's like, hey, you know, I don't know who this is out here, but, you know, they're not doing a great job. You know, well, it's not us. Uh, but thank you know, and, we're, you know, so those kind of lay there, you know, it's not like, you know, we're not going to reach out to determine who that was and forward that, you know, that complaint to them. Um, but, you know, we do you know, our crew members, um, you know, just see a lot of stuff, you know, where they're, um, you know, they have a designated, hey, we're sending X amount of vehicles at a time. And, you know, there's a gap in traffic. So they, you know, once, once the uh, vehicles have passed that crew member, then they turn the paddle from slow to stop. Inevitably, you know, somebody comes up, and they can see the rear bumper of a car that just went through. So they, you know, suddenly we're making them late for work or we're, you know, the, so we've, you know, unfortunately have those instances, um, you know, where the public complaints are misleading in that regard, you know, because uh, of the fact that, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're out here protecting you as well as the client that, that hired us to provide this service. And, you know, we understand, you know, we, we didn't, you know, you, you tripped over the dog on your way out or you spilled coffee and had to change your shirt. You know, well, that, as we say in the insurance industry, that was the proximate cause <laughs> of, you, you know, of you being late, you know, so now, but, you know, that person with that stop slow paddle becomes the focus mm -hmm. of that, that person's negative you know, negative opinion. And, you know, it is, you know, we, we have to, you know, we educate our people just, you know, just don't be conf confrontational, just don't be adversarial. You know, you understand that. I mean, if somebody's beeping and honking at you, you know, occasionally discretionarily, you know, you know what, I can I cannot have you like I can't hear on the walkie talkie. If you sit here on your horn for the next five minutes and just blow it at me. So discretionarily, you know, there folks like that could be sent through just to ensure that the safety of the work zone uh, is is uh, protected. You know, that's something I didn't ever really think about, like the road rage aspect of people and how they may react to like your people just doing their job and following, you know, safety protocols and instructions and, you know, how they could be at risk for themselves just because someone's mad that they have to stop. <laughs> or yeah. Oh yeah. Instruction, you know, that they're, they're and I, I, I don't know why it's not something I really thought about, but that that's, I'm sure you see claims of, 
you know, people throwing like something out their window at, you know, someone on the road with the, 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 the sign or something like that, just because people have their own rage. Well, and I think it's that, you know, our thing is situational awareness, mm-hmm. um, whether, <clears throat> you know, I mean, you need to be aware of your surroundings, especially when you're dealing with the public and, you know, dealing in those areas. But, you know, think about it in, a, in other aspects, too. I mean, you buy a new Toyota Camry. And then suddenly every car you see on the highway is a Toyota Camry. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, so many people have these. Uh, You know, I worked with, um, I was in retail sales, uh, sales coordinator for a uh, construction um, dealership, construction equipment dealership. And, you know, you start driving past job sites and you're like, hey, why that's not our, you know, that's not our client, you know, or that's not our piece of equipment there. Or, you know, we don't see our sticker on that. So, you know, yeah, as you become more aware of, you know, when you're driving through these areas and see these things, you know, you do, you do connect the dots and and see that more. And suddenly, um, you know, uh, for the most part, I mean, everybody starts out as a crew member, um, in a, or for our field, you know, with our field operations. So they drive their personal vehicle. Uh, and within, you know, we've tried to, <clears throat> um, aggre- I don't want to say aggressively promote, but the steps are in place for you to be promoted uh, into your own vehicle. So when the initial promotion occurs, um, you, you know, you have your vehicle, but then uh, you also have um a set amount of cones and a set amount of signs. Uh, so it's, that's, you know, then you, you get that. Well, then from there, you get a, another promotion and that provides you with, I believe it's twi- twice the amount of cones. So the more, more complex mm-hmm. and, you know, for the folks to see that, you know, I had, um, we have a, an extensive onboarding, uh, here and then also any uh, our immersion training as well, uh, because you know here we have the the day to day operations. Uh, we have two separate buildings. Uh, one is our uh, operation service center, where our uh, clients are calling in or anybody's calling in. They're they're fielding those comp- um, you know any all those calls, uh, whether it's an employee calling and saying, hey, you know I. I just, I have to sit down. I need a break. You know, I'm, I'm hot. I ran out of water, you know, whatever the case is to uh, any type of uh, accident, whether it occurred in or around our work zone, uh, those complaints, but then also um, the, you know, the employees calling in for, for other reasons as well. And, you know, seeing, you know, through that immersion training, you get a day in the life up. Uh, So we have, you know, there's, I mean, there's a few shifts down there, but I sat in on three shifts. Uh, So, you know, each of those shifts has their, their needs, their priorities, you know, what they're doing. Uh, You know, the first, first shift is, uh, you know, they're like, hey, you know, the, you know, a what there's there might be an issue with uh, the signs or uh, the crew or whatever the case is. Then there's the transition team, you know, looking at um, you know afternoon assignments or uh, going into the next day. And then the uh, overnight is obviously any you know anything that comes up you know after like first second third shift basically uh, that they each have their priorities uh, that they're dealing with and. 
over here, this is more of the, um, you know, the nuances of the day-to-day -day role. And, um, you know, just, you know, when, and the, the cool thing about the, the onboarding was I had um, three of the people in my onboarding were from the field. They had been promoted. And once you promoted, I mean, you come back in and to do the training. And it, we had a great blend of, you know, while I have my extensive background in claims, and it, hence the reason I'm the claims manager now, uh, you had some uh, first, hey, this is my first job out of college, yeah. uh, whether it was in finance uh, or down at the, the service center. Uh, but then also we had a good blend of the uh, field, uh, you know, our field operations as well. And, you know, funny enough, and and I I really like that because you you get that unique perspective from from each of them what the, what each of us is a day in the life you know and I, I think I was in my role for about a month uh, but then to to see how all the puzzle pieces fit together sure. and you know and it was and I think you know that you know claim it's the old cliche you know claims are claims I mean you just you know kind of handle them whereas you know, with this, you know, and funny enough, you know, the, the field operations folks were like, oh my God, I cannot believe, how can you sit in an office? Like, this is crazy to me that I can't, you know, and they had to, um, you know, take breaks, stand up, I mean, just kind of walk around the room, you know, because of that. And then conversely, you know, when you're hearing like, yeah, you know, I see the reports that come in because of my role, but for some of the, the newer you know, the new folks into the organization to hear that firsthand experience of what, you know, what those uh, field operations uh, people do encounter. I mean, it's, it's so eye opening. It's like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe you, you, that you really had to deal with that. You know? <laughs> so just, you know, such a great blend. I mean, it was such a unique, unique opportunity, which yeah. um, I think every, you know, all of us value gone through that just to see everybody's uh, roles, you know, in the, in the organization. Well, and I think it's just so important too, that you have firsthand knowledge, how the, all these other roles operate. So you can better understand claims when they come in too, you know, when you, when you have firsthand experience with it, it just, I think it just makes you more aware and just better at your job when you kind of know how the operations work. Yeah, you know, and because <clears throat> how we're set up, um, we don't have, I mean, we have a claims department, but it is, you know, the initial intake is, you know, they're, they're dealing, uh, like they have a general script that they follow. So then what, you know, we need to, from the claims department, we see those come in, but we're like, okay, so we need to follow up with this person, you know, on yeah. with those photos. Uh, we need to follow up, okay, we need to get the, the um, police report information or the responding officers information, you know, to determine that. And, you know, just making sure everybody's on the same page, you know, in that process. And, you know, no, I mean, everybody is, is eager to help. I mean, with any, you know, and in my, you know, this morning, 
I had a, a situation, for example, where I was like, hey, um, there was an incident that occurred in 2018 and I need to find these, you know, due to the, uh, the due to the interrogatories, uh, I need the address of this. And, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll plead ignorant. I mean, I don't know where to find that. I mean, I kind of, I knew enough to be dangerous and I'm like, okay, here's where I looked and I found this and this, but it is that ability to just, Hey, could you help me for a second? And while, you know, every, you know, the, as the, the quote is, you know, everybody's busy, but while everybody is busy, everybody is equally able to put what they're currently looking at on hold to assist another team member. Yeah. And, um, you know, the open door policy of, um, you know, I'm sure people don't necessarily like the music that's coming out of my office from, <laughs> from, what, from time is, to time. Well, what, what music is coming out of your office? Um, we need to know this. I was just uh, thinking that. It could be, um, I am a, uh, a huge, I just call it death metal. Uh, so sometimes I have my gym music on. Um, but then I am a tremendous fan of Yacht Rock Radio on Sirius XM. I like Yacht Rock. I, death metal. I, I, I can understand why people might be like, that's Steve. Yeah. He's raging out. Yeah. Yeah, that could be. But I'm not. I mean, it's it's in an earshot. It's like, well, that's that's a that's a growl that I think is only required to, you know, in the afterlife, um, you know, that they, they would hear that music. But Did that uh, help your stress level during the day, though? Because I feel like I would just have like panic attacks listening to that while also trying to work. You know, it's funny, <laughs> funny enough, like when I when I lift, I mean, I have my gym music play lift and playlist and it has a it is that style of music, that heavy, aggressive music. And then when like my workouts, you know, strength workout, I have that music on, but then if I switch over to something that's more of a CrossFit or, you know, something like that, then I have rap music on or something with a beat, you know, that I can just keep, you know, it just kind of helps me through. Um, but yeah, like the aggressive music doesn't affect me. Like I, my wife walked in um, my when, when I was working from home and she's like, how can you listen to this music? And I was reviewing a demand pack and I'm like, I don't, it's just for me, like right now, it, it's just on in the background. It was, it's really, you know, more white noise. Um, but you know, if you're having a bad day, like you cannot, you are with it's very guttural. It is yeah, it's like all but, guttural, but you can't have a grr on your face when you're listening to Christopher Cross. Or Boz no. Skaggs or, you know, Steely Dan. Michael like McDonald. Just, yeah. Like you just like crooning to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no you way. Just, yeah. It lifts you up. Yeah. So no matter, and no matter what, at least whomever walks past will have that look of, did, am I hearing that correct? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, and it is, like you said, it's like, how can you work with, you know, but I also you know, that's, I mean, my door's open and it's not booming out of here by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, you can hear the the heavy guitar or the saxophone, you know, maybe something like that. But, uh, you know, always anybody walks in. I mean, the first thing I do is turn off the music. 
So because they are, you know, while I can just zone out and do my thing, um, you know, they, whomever Taking stops in, yeah, whoever stops Taking in deserves back. my undivided attention. And I can't be sitting there looking at them like, you know, banging <laughs> my head or drumming on my, my, uh, my desk. That would be obviously completely inappropriate. <laughs> the wise choice. So, yeah. It's funny. So our, <laughs> Uh, one of someone in our office, Oliver, he would listen to that type of music too. When I, and I really, I, yes, and I, I've always had my office right next to him, and he wouldn't do it early in the day. It was more of like a afternoon activity, and I would be like, how can he concentrate with this? Like, how can and he is, you know, he does a products work. He dives really deep and right, like he has a lot of like complex stuff. And I'm like, how is he thinking straight? Like, <laughs> maybe we've missed the boat, Megan. Like, apparently, this works for people. Yeah, I don't listen to anything except around Christmas time. I have Christmas carols. <laughs> oh well, that that is that is bad. <laughs> that is not an option. I, I jam out to Taylor yeah. Swift sometimes while working. Oh. Steve, you should try Taylor Swift. I think maybe oh, it. I have a. a I have a whole. I have a whole playlist with, with female artists. I, I, Taylor, I knew I Taylor loved Swift, you. Katy Perry. Um, yeah. Anybody, um, Nicki Minaj. I mean, you, you know, I, I Eclectic. solely, yeah. I wouldn't uh, put Nicki Minaj and Taylor Swift in the uh, same bucket. <laughs> oh, they're, they're on the same playlist. Um, so, <laughs> but the, and there are a couple of heavy metal bands that have uh, done Taylor Swift's covers. That's cool. Uh, so that's, I would actually want to hear that. Yeah. yeah, my former, um, yeah, they're, um, I'll send that to you offline. So <laughs> we'll chat later about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, you know, and it's not like they can, they can hear like in a, like, all right, that's not Yacht Rock or something like that, but they're not, not able to make out any of the lyrics and some of the stuff, I don't even know what the lyrics are. You're just like, you know, it's like, all right. Yeah. Or that, you know, just that guttural put mm -hmm. some, you put some rocks in the blender and it's just like what did he just say you know for five minutes you know whatever the case is so <laughs> oh, that's a good and it's like where do we go from here <laughs> like, we where were we about? who are well, we it's really what is devolved. Show? <laughs> downward um, spiral well, <laughs> what one thing i had thought about earlier is so you you know you had you know, a length of time that you, you worked at two different TPA, uh, TPAs and, and now, and now you're more, I, I want, I like to call it an in-house position, but how, you know, how is your, how does your role feel different for, from a TPA when you're kind of managing, um, you know, managing insureds in a way and help, I, I just view TPAs as your guide, you're kind of helping them along the litigation process and you serve like as a meet an intermediary, but now like how, how is your role different now or how do you feel differently about your role? Um, well, you know, in, in the TPA roles, <clears throat> you know, when I spoke to whomever my client was, it, it was always we you know, this is how we, you know, I believe, I believe that we should do this. I believe that we should do this, you know, organizationally. And now I am the we. I mean, so, when, yeah. you know, when we have those conversations, um, you know, I worked, you know, in my, in my role as the adjuster, I was on the phone with um, whomever at the client. Uh, 
you know, having that conversation of this is what I think the re where the reserve should be set. This is what I think, you know, I deem, a, you know, a settlement amount. But, you know, now, you know, on this side, you know, the we, when I speak, is, is my vice president of uh, safety and risk. And, you know, then the we is the CFO, you know, the vice president of finance. And while I had that we mentality at the TPA, I really, it's different. I mean, being, you know, being on this side of it now, uh, saying like we, you know, it truly is, it truly is us. It's Flagger Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's been some challenges, I, I mean, in that regard, um, that philosophy, but then also, um, you know, coming in, like, I have a fresh set of eyes on a claim that's four years old. Okay, well, we, we kind of, we've had a game plan for the past four years, you know, so, you know, so, hey, you know, while we appreciate your, your opinion, no, this is the strategy that we have looked at uh, in, in the defense or, or possible, you know, compromised resolution of this matter. And, um, you know, some of, while some of that has not changed, like I said, I mean, you know, when I was on the phone with um, Y company, um, I shared Y's philosophy. And that was, you know, I think, and that was really one of the things that, um, that helped me, uh, I think, and continues to help me is, you know, I was on at one of the TPA, well, both TPAs, actually, I was on a captive program. And the captive, um, one of the captives, I think, had 10 members, and then the other one had 132 different members, or 137. Um, so, you know, I had to manage 130 plus different claims philosophies, claims mentalities, service instructions, authority levels. Feels impossible. And, yeah, but... But, you know, once you, you know, we had, we had a uh, conference call or a telephonic review, excuse me, where we had four, I'm going to just for easy numbers, four adjusters talking about seven claims. And, you know, the, the adjuster that had three claims had a good rapport with the client, you know, had just had that established relationship with them. So, you know, hey, I think we should bump this up to 25,000, you know, and look at, okay, yeah, like, sounds there's trust, good. There's trust there. Like they... Yeah, you know, whereas with me, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm thinking maybe 10 to 12, five on this one. And they're like, okay, well, why? I'm like, look, I'm asking for half the authority that the other guy did, you know, but, <laughs> but because of that familiarity, they, you know, they felt comfortable providing that person with the authority that they requested. So as soon as we got off the phone, yeah, I was like, hey, you need to move my file and, you know, and give it to, you know, whoever, whoever the adjuster was and give me one of their one-offs. You know, because I, I think, you know, part of in the TPA, you know, you're so focused or supposedly so focused on client satisfaction and serving the client that you're, you know, you're watering it down. Yeah. And now I get it. There's experience levels and you don't want a senior adjuster handling, you know, mailbox strikes or those clear liability, easy claims. 
but you know, if you have all your BIs go to this person, you know, that makes it, I, you know, the handling, I, you know, helped. And, um, you know, and, and it was, I, I mean, fortunately, I had a supervisor that supported that and just said, hey, you know, it might not be an even swap, you know, there's kind of one offs here, there, you know, whatever, let's try to condense these. And, um, you know, but they, they took my input as a positive for, for, you know, for the program. And, you know, we got that blended together and figured out. Um, so that, that was, you know, of course, I mean, any, any time that, um, that you feel like you're heard and the actions are there from, you know, from whether it's your immediate supervisor or your organization that support that. I mean, I, you know, you just can't, can't argue with that. You know, funny enough, I had one of the, um, one of the TPAs, um, we had, uh, the clients had a $400,000 SIR. And so we had a reporting uh, at 50%. Well, for whatever reason, this, and, and nobody knows in hindsight, but the reporting level was 100 instead of 200. And I was, you know, I'm trying to like, okay, well, the, you know, the carrier adjuster is so overwhelmed. You have to do this. You have to do this. And I said, well, why aren't they all managed the same? Because all the, the other programs that I worked on at are 50%, but this one's at 25%. So the, um, fortunately my, you know, my voice was heard and they came back and they were like, Hey, you know what? We looked at it. We agreed. Don't know why it was set up that way. So we're raising it up to 50%. And I, you know, and my response was, you know, you're setting a bad precedent here. You realize that. And the vice president of the, you know, the, the captive is like, how is this a bad precedent? And I said, because I kicked and screamed and you gave me my way. Like, so you're saying, <laughs> so, I said, well, it's a positive, you know, hopefully, you know, and it obviously just tongue in cheek. I mean, it was for the good of the group. Um, but, you know, when you, when you have, what you feel are, are positive, a positive input that could, you know, change the organization positively or the claims handling process, the ease of the, um, the information back and forth. And you're, you know, you're met with, uh, you know, an, an agreeable reply, you know, then I think you just feel like you're heard and you, you know, you do have that, um, just like, okay, I matter you know, in that regard. The value. Yeah, yeah. Your value to the company. Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I had, um, um, you know, I've had nothing but positives. I mean, you know, here at Flagger Force, I mean, when we have, uh, when the organization posts something about, um, you know, that we have opportunities, uh, I re- on specifically on LinkedIn, I mean, I reshare it. Or, or, you know, share the post or whatever the case is. And just, be, you know, like I said, you know, earlier, just because of the positives, you know, that every, you know, with my background, I've, you know, different managers, different directors and different departments just said, hey, you know, we need to sit down, I need to pick your brain, you know, because of the voluminous amount of um, information that you have and the challenges that you've had, again, you know, whether it was, you know, juggling a you know, 140 different clients and stuff with, with the other clients that I worked with as well, because in the captive, while there was 132 clients, the divider was the Mississippi river. Um, but my 
so we didn't handle all 132, but we handled a majority of them because the the west the western team may have dropped the ball on a couple when they you know they moved the work over to us and uh again you know that's that just shows you know the leadership that was in place there um you know but coming here i mean it was you know something like hey how about how about we utilize uh this website you know to you know oh okay you know, so anything, I mean, and, and you obviously, I mean, it's tongue in cheek, but you know, when you come into an organization and they're, they open, they're open to your ideas and it's just like, all right, is that, does that move us forward? Does that benefit us? And if, you know, the simple answer is yes. I mean, then yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. And just like anything else, I mean, you know, I, at, at some point after, you know, how many ever years, you know, you feel like, you know, you have that, um, what you say matters and to, to barely be with, with flagger force for, for, um, four months now and to, you know, have the, the executive team be on board with my recommendations and decisions. I mean, that in itself is just, you know, just as a, a huge, uh, huge thing for me, you know, that, that I, that I matter, that I, that I am, am heard and we can have a difference of opinion, but at least we've discussed it. And, uh, you know, now I, I understand somebody else's perspective as well. And maybe, maybe the, the, the blend is in the middle or it's like, Hey, you know, I hear you, but like I said that, you know, the one where like, you know, this has been in, you know, this matter has been around for four years now. And, you know, this is the directive that we've gone, you know, that, that we're going to continue to take. It makes you want to keep doing that because I feel like in your if you're in a position where you're shut down by your your supervisor or your employee, it kind of, it silences you, you know, kind of like not you personally, but just in general, like it kind of makes you feel like, all right, well, maybe I'm not up to snuff or I don't want to, you know, get shut down. But when when you're not and when your company is actually appreciating you, it just makes you want to help make it better. You know, it's like yeah. a win win for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, coming in new, I mean, having a fresh perspective, I mean, um, there are, there were, excuse me, partnerships in place prior to my arrival. So I need to, you know, I too had to learn Flagger Force's philosophy, you know, organizationally and departmentally. And, uh, but again, it, it's just such a, you know, it's always, you know, a great, great meeting. I mean, we have, you know, you always talk about the best decisions are made at the water cooler or whatever the plate, you know, whatever the case is, you know, we have a phenomenal on-site fitness center. And I mean, and you read that and it's like, oh, we, you know, we have a fitness center and you're like, oh, you know, and I think of that dusty 1970s Nautilus multi-purpose, you know, piece of equipment. <laughs> no, I mean, we have a rusty a, exercise bike. yeah yeah exactly and like you know but no i mean we have a three-quarter court basketball uh court um we uh, which fits a volleyball court and there's uh you know a volleyball net can be strung up on either side um you know the dumbbells go from two to i don't know up up into the hundreds um the various 
plate loaded machines, an area for yoga. I, I mean, everything that you can imagine that, you know, promotes that, the, that culture as well. And, there, you know, there's a team that comes in early or a group that comes in early and works out together. There's a, a lunchtime crew. There's maybe a late afternoon crew. And then there's an after work crew. So even, you know, even that organizationally, when you're, you know, some of the folks, I mean, I, you know, our building, you know, has two floors. So there's, there's times that I'm not going to see, you know, folks throughout the day just because of um, logistics. Yeah, the proximity <laughs> and the logistics. Yeah. But to see them, you know, after hours, uh, just, you know, but uh, hey, girl, you know, hey, guy, you know, like whatever the case is. And, uh, you know, and just um, introducing yourself to, to fellow co-workers uh, there as well. Uh, just that, you know, when you see the owner of the company in there working out, I mean, he, you know, it's just that mindset of he, he makes time for fitness. I mean, he is, you know, he values that as well. And I, you know, hear him, you know, Hey, you weren't at the gym yesterday. I mean, so, you know, kind of, you know, when the, the whomever in a leadership role is, you know, kind of holding you, uh, holding you accountable, but it, you know, I, it was such a positive just to hear that organizational leadership of, you know, just like, Hey, you know, like I, you know, missed you in the gym today, you know, type of thing. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, that's just who he is. And, um, but it just, I don't know, for me that, that just rings, you know, that that is somebody that cares, you know, about, you know, about his employees and, and further, you know, about the organization itself, of course. And especially coming, you know, off of, you know, the last two years that you didn't really see anybody, it must be, um, it must be like kind of refreshing to be back in that atmosphere that we, in a way, probably took for granted, you know, having people around and having the office gym and like, you know, those things weren't, things that we really had the last few years. So it must be, it makes you feel more like, oh, things are like normal now. We're like getting back there. Yeah. And I think, you know, the people, I think the big thing, especially in claims that I've seen is, you know, everybody wants to work remote and they're like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I work. So, you know, I, my hours are so much longer when I'm working remote. Okay. Well, you just told me that you went out and got your hair done and you were doing loads of laundry. So you're not working. So, you know, forgive me, you know, whereas, you know, when you do come into an office, um, you know, you are, I, I would say you're, you know, it's visibly held accountable um, minus the music that you're listening to in your office. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as far as what's, what's going on, I mean, is, and I, and it works organizationally. You know, I know one of the one of the TPAs uh, that I worked for. Um, nobody was able to work from home prior, you know, prior to the pandemic. Uh, then we were forced to, of course. Uh, but then the you know another organization was like, you know, you're hiring people off the street that you don't even know their work ethic, and you're setting them up with you know you're setting them up with a home office, and um, you know, and again, I think I, I, there is that uh, inherent sense of entitlement, um, whether it's, you know, even in your world, being promoted from an associate to a junior partner to partner, whatever, you know, whatever your level is at your organization, you know, tenure doesn't equal work product. 
And, you know, just because you, okay, so you've been an associate for five years, seven years, is, have you ever reflected as to why you're still an associate when somebody that was hired at the same time as you were, or after you is now a junior partner? And I think, you know, and that, I mean, and again, this is Steve Ecker philosophizing here, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you, is it just like, what is your, what's your internal drive? And, you know, when I heard that, you know, when, in my previous role of, you know, oh, I'm working so much longer, you know, but then there, you have a tan, like, you know, like, uh, are you, you know, you, you have some calluses on your hands, you, you know, you're pretty, how's your, how are your flower beds, you know, type of thing. And, you know, oh, I just had to step away and I get that there's a comfortable blend, but if, you know, you're taking two or three hours out of your day to, you know, go run errands or you go grocery shopping and then have, you know, and then get your hair cut or do, you know, boys and girls alike, I'm, I'm just saying, uh, you know, then that kind of bleeds into, you know, there's, and I, you know, I always remember forever, um, you know, one of the adjusters that I worked with, you know, he'd have a bad call and he'd, you know, and everybody in the office heard his bad call. And then he gets up and he walks past the person that sits right beside him. He's like, oh my God, did you hear that? We're like, I'm comfortable to say everybody in the office heard that one. <laughs> you know, and then he, so he, oh, I need to go have a cigarette. But he tells three and four people walking out the door about that conversation. So what's that take? 10 or 15 minutes? It goes outside. And I'm sure somebody was out there smoking that he told his that his tale of woe too. You know, so what's that? Another 10, you know, 15 minutes. And then when you come in the door, you come back a different way. So you can tell another two or three people. So your 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 10 minute smoke break just took 45 minutes. So forgive me if I don't, if I have no sympathy for you that you're so overworked and you've just run out of time. Well, I mean, how about some inner reflection here and realizing that, and again, Steve Ecker philosophizing, sorry, <laughs> you know, that, that you're contributing to, <laughs> to the fact that you're overworked. Like, oh my, you know, and it's, you know, hey, and unfortunately in that office, I sat on the aisle like two main aisles. I was at the corner. Um, so I got them coming and going and, uh, you know, Hey, what are you doing? Working. Well, what are you, were you in a bad mood? No, I'm working. Like I'm in the middle of reviewing a, a 700 page demand pack. Forgive me if you had a frumpy phone call that I don't care about, <laughs> you know, and like, Hey, we can talk after the fact, but like right now, Steve's focused on Steve. You know, so. Well, I think I think there's people on both sides of the aisle as to like work from home versus in the office. I think everyone has very, very divergent views on it. I'm always a big proponent of working from home, but I work best at home. I, I'm mm. the person in the office. I get too distracted by all the people. You know, I like I ha I I have to talk to too many people, and for me at home, I'm I'm much better at focusing and not getting distracted. But that's, it's different for everybody, I think. Yeah, well, and I, I used to be friends with, well, I, I mean, we're still friends. But um, one of my previous coworkers was like, oh, my God, you know, like I was, um, he was a big hockey fan. And he's like, oh, he's like, there I was at 11 o'clock last night, plugging away on claims. Now, me, I got in the office at 8 a.m. 
So for for you to tell me that you're, you know, so you're you're evoking that or attempting to evoke the sympathy response. Mm-hmm. 11 o'clock last night, and I'm okay. Well, you were watching hockey because you have the NHL pass, <laughs> but what you omitted was the fact that you didn't start work until 10 a.m. So, and then you went to the grocery store, which is what, you know, if you take a half hour commute just to go to the grocery store, like you're, you have a solid hour and a half invested in your grocery, you know, in your grocery run. So, you know, you, you know, it is just kind of like, but I, I, I mean, while I completely agree with you, Megan, when I worked from home, like it, I, I will be quite candid because I, whoever sees this from either one of those places could happily know this. I didn't work a full day. I, by oh, about, no. <laughs> by about four o'clock, I, I was done. I had my daily diaries done. I was caught up on email, but you know, there's, there's always stuff you can do. Maybe it's, you know, get a letter or something just like that. You know, that cruise control last half hour of the day, you know, or whatever the case is. I mean, it, it wasn't like when I worked from home, I did not have that interstate mentality of being a you know living in the medium as i you know as i said at the beginning and but there were i mean there were days yeah i had to work until 429 59 uh (laughs) you know but there were days maybe around quarter of four four o'clock it was just you know at some point depending on what your what your desk is and what you have going on there's not a task that I can complete in the next 15 minutes. So I'll sit here and wait for my phone to ring. If it does, if not, you know, I have Slipknot on in the background and we're going to start the day early uh, yeah. <laughs> or Christopher Cross. So we'll get, we'll get both ends of the spectrum. Depends on your mood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, and again, it is up to that, you know, person's per, you know, everybody's different. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was, I worked from home a lot even before the pandemic, just because it, it, it served me better. Um, but I, I personally am not like the type that will do other things. Like I, I sit in my office and I just work, but and I like to take out the commute. Because to me, the commute was waste a waste of time for me. But mm-hmm. you know, but then when I got in the office, I was like, oh, people, like let's chat, let's go to lunch, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, in any, you know, any claims person I talked to, like I was taught, like if you're, you're handling auto claims, you need matchbox cars at your desk because you got to, you know, cause sometimes you just have to figure out like this, the, you're, the facts that you reported defy the laws of physics. So I need help me understand. So yeah, you can draw it out and like have the intersection with the, you know, is it a, you know, oh, it's one lane in each direction okay, well, you know, is there a dotted line? You know, is it a passing zone? You know, or there's two, you know, two lanes in each direction or, you know, whatever the case is. And you can, you know, whereas if you have a couple of matchboxes laying at your desk and you can, you know, you, you can kind of navigate it quicker and like, all right, here was the resting spot. And, um, you know, but then also sometimes just like, hey, struggling with liability on this one, you know, what do you think? Yeah. And, um you know, and, and, you know, with, I was just going to say something. I'm like, oh, I can't say that. Cause I'll, whomever's listening to this will know which T, which TPA I worked for. <laughs> like, oops. Um, but you know, yeah, there were, there were times, you know, when you are 
you know, maybe you're, you're, you have a familiarity, you know, because whether you also handled fleet claims, you know, or whatever the case is, I mean, you know, and every every incident, every accident has its own uniqueness to it. And, you, you know, depending on venue, you know, even you you know, have a different, it's different, you know, based upon statute, you know, statutes in Pennsylvania. I mean, you can almost go right down the east, east coast here. You got Pennsylvania is modified comparative, you know, Maryland, New Jersey, or excuse me, uh, Maryland and Virginia contributory. Um, and then go down and you're, you know, you're getting into a couple pure comparative states, you know, so. Yeah. Um, well, we are just about out of time, but I didn't want to end without um, exploring this with you. You know, you've had so many years of experience in claims and, um, you know, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to, to younger, younger Steve? Well, for, if we're short on time, you can just cut out the part about me, to, us talking about music. That might, no, I'm, I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, I think currently in the industry, um, and I don't know if this is what I would tell younger Steve or not, but I think younger Steve that worked at the, um, at the, uh, personal carrier um you didn't know everything and you're you know and you were frustrated because you didn't know the process and um you know but now I think <clears throat> I think with uh and I have just a side note um you know again due to my size like the joke was I always said that I was or, well the the company had a they started a monthly newsletter and I referred six or seven people to this company locally uh, in, a, in a couple different offices. And I got a nice referral bonus for each of them. So my joke was, and I had a big fat goatee, you know, I still have my head shaved. And I said that that was my um, uh, fee to join the WWF wrestling school, which of course. <laughs> which of course now we have to call WWE. Um, but, you know, I wanted to be a worldwide wrestling entertainer. And um, so they actually had an old, old bowling trophy in the office. So the first issue of this, the, the organizational letter, I was on the front of it holding this bowling trophy. And that was it was, a, of course, a spoof article about how I was an ambassador to the organization, but I was using the the um, my current insurance adjuster role to as a uh, springboard into the the world of professional wrestling. And funny enough, I resigned from there prior to it coming out. So the first our first newsletter was me on the cover and and jokingly like I would I still went in I was still friends with the guys I mean we played basketball together ice hockey so I went in and I signed all of their you know all of their uh, their uh, uh, articles um, but I think you know now and I and I say that because I'm gonna say five of them are still there so the organization, I mean, the organization has made some transitions. Oh, no, four now, because I know somebody got a recently got a different job. But I mean, would I still be in the organization? I, I wouldn't see why not. Again, hindsight, me telling younger Steve, like, 
you know, you were just a youth counselor for a year and a half, like, you know, nothing about insurance claims, like deal with it. But I think in the world of the TPAs now, they're burning out too many young adjusters. So, you know, you're seeing, I would say, you're going to see people with three or less years of experience, or probably 10 or 12 or more. There's no middle. And what you're, if the middle is probably flooded with people that aren't, that shouldn't be in those roles, but they threaten to resign. But, you know, in the, as a TPA, I mean, you do need to get licenses. So you're dealing with the licensure and you're like, all right, well, try to manage the workload as best as we can. So may, you're, you're promoting people into positions that they shouldn't be in. And I think, and that's, and I don't know, you know, you hear so many other uh, um, industries uh, for, you know, where you're seeing that less, like less and less people are going into trades. You know, we, you know, the old cliche, we need ditch diggers too. Well, you know, where's, you know, we need bricklayers, you know, we need professionals that are working concrete and they're, you know, the, the, younger folks that are coming out don't necessarily see those opportunities as viable. And I think as you're looking at resumes, it's, you know, what do you get in a year, you know, 15, you know, 15, 18 months, and then they're jumping and then they're jumping, you know, Oh, wait, you mean I can go to a carrier and not have to worry about all these licenses and my pending's cut in half because this is my file. So as an industry, and of course, that's me philosophizing. Um, you, you know, that's, I, while that's not going to change, I don't see, I, I think that you're going to find out that retention or where somebody leaves and comes back, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're maybe getting more money. Um, and I don't, you, you, I don't think that, that it's there for, like the grass isn't always greener. I mean, sometimes the grass is astroturf. And, you know, and just because you're, you know, that company's going to pay you $5,000 more than what you're currently making to, and your perception is to do the same job or to do, you know, like whatever the case is, um, you know, I can't say that I wish that I would have stuck out being in that, you know, in that, um, the personal auto carrier world because I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Yeah. You know, I don't regret any of the decisions I made. Um, and, and, and I mean, you know, so that I, I would, I would tell myself that I should have given myself more time there. Um, but then I, I, you know, that maybe speaks to the, the philosophy and the leadership also, whereas, Hey, you know, this is, this is how we do things. Well, what about, this okay well this is how we do things okay so you're unwilling to listen to me yeah. uh, you know and that's you know and if like you said if you get you know you're told no so many times and you you know then you don't feel the need to you know that what what you believe might be a good idea is going to be met with a, a closed mind a closed opinion you know whatever so you almost become you just kind of like sit there and take it, you know, like, all right, this is my job, you know, and then you, you get frustrated with it because 
you know, I almost say like, you know, folks are institutionalized because then they're like, oh, well, this is claims. Nothing's going to change. You know, well, maybe it's worth a shot. You know, maybe it's, you know, and you see that I think where people do have the courage to leave. Uh, and I left the international TPA. And then when I went to the more regional place, it was like, hey, this is, I mean, this was different. Um, and there were certain, you know, the, the, um, algorithms, you know, start creeping into place as far as, you know, the, the fictitious headcount of what it takes to handle claims. Um, but I think, you know, I think that's lost uh, in the fact that, you're, you know, the people aren't going to stay. And, um, you know, while I don't regret, you know, the decisions, I mean, some of those, you know, while I, I didn't have a good feeling about my role in the international TPA, I had a good feeling about the leadership and it might the immediate leadership in the branch, you know, the day-to-day -day handling. And um, because I could, you know, just knew what they were going through as well. Yeah. Well, and I think that almost brings us full did, circle to what you were saying to about- I was gonna say, did I actually answer your question? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but- it, it does bring you full circle to, again, because I meant to bring this up when you're talking about how much you appreciate being at Flagger Force because you feel heard and they're not doing what you were just describing as, oh, that's the way it's always been done. You know, one, you feel heard and that there's a willingness to do things, change the way they're doing things because, it, you know, per your suggestion, it's not like, oh, well, we've already done it. We've always just do it this way. So shush, go, go sit in your office and you know, play your music loud, Steve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I, I think you, you brought it full circle. I don't really know if you answered my question or not, but you had some really great points. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't matter. Well, yeah. I mean, I said, I told, I would tell younger Steve to suck it up and, you yeah. know, for, you did. give true. that. Did. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, if the, if the international TPA was horrible, I wouldn't have put in almost 14 years there. Yeah, good point. So, but there, you know, then you, like I said, you get into the more of the analytics now and it's, you know, and one of the other cliches that we, we, well, I'm not going to say we invented it, but we use is the paralysis by analysis. And you, you know, you get so caught up the forest for the trees, whatever, you know, whatever you want to use. Um, you know, I don't, I didn't understand how, if you have a team of five adjusters and you lose an adjuster, and you're down to four, your headcount is one, you need five. Well, we're going to evaluate that and determine what headcount we need. Well, I can tell you five minus four or one is four and you need to go back to five. <laughs> well, you know, and it, and it was always, it's, you know, there, the, the model is to push and what, and ultimately you're getting quantity over quality. Yeah you know, is, is what it comes down to. And, you know, and, and we have to understand that, you know, we, you know, with us, you know, we're, I, I know where, where that's come. So from, um, you know, with our, with the, the TPA that does our work, um, you know, I see that. And I, and I was, you know, I was in the, their shoes, um, you know, and like I said, I mean, you can, you know, at a TPA, you can, you can use the pronouns, you know, we, us, our, 
but it's it's not we us our. I mean, now it's we us and our, and I, and uh, you know, I think that you know, while you do that, um, there is there's there's definitely that difference uh, ownership. You know what? We don't want to. While it makes fiscal sense to to settle this claim to you, to us, we have a philo philosophical difference that we need to just explore this a little more. And we're, we understand that there's cost, you know, associated with that. Well, Steve, I truly appreciate you coming on and, and giving us your, your philosophies. <laughs> and, you know, you're never short on, on words and I always appreciate our, our talks. Um, and I, I no, you, you always make me laugh and you always have, like really good insights and then you weave in the humor in the in the middle of it so i and this was no different so i i really appreciate you taking the time and sitting down with melissa and, and chatting with us yes thank it, you it was, it was so nice to meet you yeah you too thank you for for our listeners out there of course if you like what you hear um please like and subscribe to the defense of arrest on apple Podcasts. and you can also find us on youtube at tndr podcast and thank you and look forward to listening soon